Welcome to the Manufacturing Masters Podcast with your host, Allison DeFord. You ever meet somebody that you ask yourself, how is it that I did not know this person before? What do I mean by that? Well, I've met a lot of people on LinkedIn, for example, which has turned out to be one of the greatest gifts in my business and personal life are are these amazing people that I've met. And if I hadn't put myself out there to meet these new cool people, it would have never happened. And you think, wow, how different my life would be. One of those people is Damon Pistolka. He is not only the founder and partner at Exit Your Way, helping founders increase value and prepare for sale and sell their businesses. He is the host of the Faces of Business podcast or live show on LinkedIn and also of the Manufacturing E-Commerce Success Series with our good buddy, Kurt Anderson. And I will just tell you, Damon really showed up during COVID. I think we met in 2020. We talk about that in this episode. You'll love his last piece of advice at the end of the episode. I don't want you to miss that. It's a game changer. Uh, I've experienced it personally. He He's really made a difference in my business life online. And I just can't wait for you to meet him. So everybody, oh, and I'd be remiss not to mention, he's also an expert on the Manufacturing Master's platform. So buckle up, get ready for an amazing, uh, amazing insight into three keys to developing a business someone will buy with my good buddy, Damon Pistolka. Everybody, here we grow. Damon Pistolka, welcome to the Manufacturing Masters podcast. I'm excited you're here. All right. Thanks for having me here today, Allison. And you know, I have to I have to tell a secret. Anytime I think of your name, I think of like it sounds like a gangster, and I want to say it like, you know, Damon, Damon Pistolka. Okay. Don't don't bother me. Awesome. I've never shared awesome. that before. <laughs> well, so many people call me Damien that that when uh, they would do it, I would say, yep, the numbers are right up here. Uh-huh. You know, we're this triple six up there. <laughs> that that really freaked my mother out. Uh, but sure. it was funny. It was funny. <laughs> well, man, um, there are a thousand things that you and I could talk about, um, but I feel like focusing in on your one of your incredible strengths, and that is helping people exit their way, right? Exit their mm-hmm. business. And, but I think what you've taught me is something that I hadn't thought about before. And I wonder if our listeners haven't either. And it's that flip side of obviously, I want to sell my business someday, but how do I develop a business someone will want to buy? I feel like mm-hmm. it's that pre, you know, thinking about it from a different angle than, um, you know, I think a lot of people forget to think about the culture that they're building, the sphere of influence that they're building. Um, I, I I often refer to it as return on investment cubed. So are you 
you know, of course you want to have a good return on investment, a good, um, you want to have good numbers that look appealing to somebody to buy your business, but what's your return on influence and your return on innovation? How have you built that? So today we're going to talk about the three keys to developing a business that someone will buy. So let's jump in to key number one. And what it, in your experience, what is that? Well, the, the first one that people usually get stuck on is, and founders, founders are notorious for this. And, and they're too big a part of the business. You know, they were the brains behind why it started. They're the driving force between, be, behind why it got to the size it is. But when you move to the point that you're going to sell that business, the founder really needs to be out of that business as far removed as they can be. I mean, almost to the point that if it's a if it's a bigger business and you're a founder and you're more than a board member, say say you're making a million dollars in profit a year and you're more than a board member, that's probably going to hurt your your chance of exit because the next the next buyer of that business is going to expect that it runs on its own. Uh, and as you get as it gets bigger, it just gets more and more that way. So the more you can get to be a board member with your team running the business, the better off you're going to be. Uh, this is notorious in you know if a professional services kind of firms, you know, big law firms. It's got my name on yeah. the door, and I'm the one that drove the clients. I mean, that's notorious. You can't get hardly anything for it because once you leave, the value's gone, and that's why you see in some of these big firms the the founding lawyers are there and they're they got more gray hair than me or less hair than me. <laughs> so that's getting yourself out of the business is really the first thing as much as you can and, and getting it running by itself and, and running successfully by itself. So that is number one. I love that. And I know a lot of us, especially if um, we run a smaller company, can relate. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this episode are nodding their head right now like, yeah, shit. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Well, no doubt. I mean, so yes. And in the company where it's not big enough for you to take a board role and, you know, pay for a CEO or whatever you got to do, you have to be part of the business. You really do. But still, even in that point, you have to get yourself to the point to you're really making CEO decisions, right? You're not, you're not the salesperson anymore. You're not the finance person anymore. You're not the, you know, you just, whatever that's in the direct line of making the trains run on time. You got to get out of that because the next person that comes in to buy it is, is expecting that they won't have to do that. Right. Good point. Yeah. Well, let's jump into number two. What do you think the second key is to developing a business that somebody will want to buy? You're going to like this one because you know how important this is marketing. And it's really understanding the buyer's perspective. Because if you don't look at your business from the buyer's perspective, and I'm going to talk about a few specific things around the buyer's perspective, this might be the longest thing we talk about because I think this is the most important. The business owner thing, that's, you know, if you're too much in the business, you aren't going to sell it. That's just the way it is. Buyer's perspective is one that people don't think about that much, but it's really important because you've been in this business a long time. 
and say I started a manufacturing business and I, I'm a sheet metal manufacturing business and I started out because I knew this company and now we've been working together for 20 years and that was my original client and we're doing great. We're doing great with them. We got some other customers, but that client is 60% of my business, 50% of my business. Well, that is built over time. Over the years, your trust, both trust, both ways, the history and everything is built over time. And you're comfortable with that, with that as the owner of the business, because that's built over time. Your investment in the business has built over time. So, you know, I've over the years, I've built it from nothing to millions of dollars today. Because I'm trying to trying to just paint a picture for the buyer's perspective here. Now, when the buyer walks in, they're going to be expected to give you those millions of dollars. Right. Either right away and write a check, or they're going to get a loan from the bank, or they're going to do a seller note with you and, and, and some money or however it all works. But they are essentially, you know, putting their investment at risk with the fact that they're going to pay you all that value that you built over those many years in one fail swoop. And that's a much different perspective because you were able to build that over time, but then they have to make the decision to whether or not to plop that money down knowing that they're going to have to work the next X years to get their return on their investment. So I think that buyer's perspective, if you can put yourself in that position as a seller of a business and go, where I want to sell it at today, not knowing what I know or knowing what I know about the business is probably a better way to say it. I would turn back the clock 10 years, pay this money and go forward again and pay it off again. You really have to answer that because that is the buyer's perspective. That's what they're committing to do. You've done it over time. You've built that risk and that, that value over years and years, but they're expected to go, all right, I'm taking it all at once. Right. And then I'm going to pay it back over time. And that their decision points and, and the things that make them the, the fight or flight kind of response from them, people get, they go, well, what? That's not a big deal. Why did they say no? They don't want to talk to us anymore. That's why. It's a pretty big decision for them to, to plop that money down. So the better you can make it, like I said before, getting yourself out of the business, having the right team running the business. And then reducing these risks, because now when I'm a buyer coming in, that same customer, that's 50, 60% of my business, sometimes much higher, even, you know, we've run into them before they're 75, 80%. They just go, oh my God, what if that customer left? Right. You say, oh, we've had them for 25 years. They're not going anywhere. Yes. You've had that relationship for 25 years. I had zero relationship with them for 20, you know, forever, for never, no, no relationship. So you're telling me to plop the money down with no relationship and that will hang up more sales than anything that will hang up, you know, between, between the buyer to be in two. And then if they get past that and they find the, the customer concentration or supplier concentration, or the other one is employee concentration too. If you got one employee in your organization, that's the brains and you really can't go without it. 
that's, you know, those are the, the there are three different risks, but that's all buyer, that buyer perspective and, and really understand that buyer's risk profile uh, because they're going to plop millions of dollars down and they're going to have to pay it back with that business. Well, they're so at- to, in order to, I don't know what I was going to try to be cute and say, you know, turn that key. Cause we're talking about key mm-hmm. number two. Um, in order to flip the script, as I like to say, and make this reduce the risk for your yeah. potential buyer, is your recommendation that they diversify any kind of overly concentrated of any one of those three areas? Oh yeah, get that diversified as fast as possible. Yeah, diversify is is the best. The second best thing is. Um, with customers, I'm just talking to customers or suppliers, right? Because they're kind of the right. same. You're working business to business. Get a longer term contract. Even if it's index based, like, you know, we've done it before in, in companies where you go index based steel pricing based off of steel, you know, or something steel plus or something like that um, to be able to get long term pricing and lock those things in. You look on the other side with customers. Yes, you go, we want to secure this a year long contract and it might be IDIQ where it's indefinite quantity, you know, kind of thing. You don't know what they're going to do, but if they buy, they're going to buy from you. Just stuff like that is huge, huge to do that because then the buyer at least has that amount of time that they go, okay, if we don't screw it up, they're not going to leave. And, and doing that, um, and then the other thing is too, if you're going to sell your business, the one thing you do need to do is before you even start is look at your customer contracts if you have them, because if your customer contracts say that if you sell your business, they have to approve uh, the transfer of the contract. We run into that all the time, and yeah. and even to a negative that we've gotten to the point that a buyer wants to buy a business. And the seller goes to the customer and says, all right, I'm selling my business. This is who is buying it. Um, and I need to get this transferred. And they say, um, and this is in a contract that's not written the way that I was suggesting it to be with a, a time frame. But this customer, there's majority customer actually said, well, we're going to terminate our relationship. Yeah. Killed the business. No idea. And and it's a customer that it, it's a company that you know and I know. Oh man. We see every day. So I mean these kind of there's these little things it's buyer risk it, it it goes deep. It goes deep. When you look at buyer risk the other thing is too is like all the simple stuff. Environmental junk. You can't have that hanging out. HR stuff. Can't have that open. Uh, you know, especially if an employee is still there or something like that. But um, those legal risks, the environmental risks, those are kind of things that they're really going to look at. And if you don't have it buttoned up, it's going to be a big deal. But it works through those the gamut of that buyer's profile because they're they're plopping the money down. Yeah, and that's the long and short of it. They're plopping a lot of money down, and uh, it's a big deal to them. So that's number two. Well, if there's an owner that listens to you and and actually you you probably have a million stories of of this actually happening but i'm curious if an owner 
hears all this and is like, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot to button up. Mm -hmm. Is that pretty much the person that you look at them and say, well, then you're not ready to sell your business in five years unless you do these things or you can give it a whirl, Mm -hmm. see what you get. Yeah. I I just tell people don't even try. I mean, because it's when you look at the overall chance of selling a business, it's under about twenty million dollars in in transaction. It's it's like less than twenty five percent. So I mean, this is a thing that the the uh, across the board, the brokerage industry doesn't go out there and publish to people. It's like, hey, the chances of you selling a business first and foremost is low. Mm -hmm. If you prepare, it can be well over ninety. But if you don't do anything, you got about 25% chance because they're going to find one of these things that's going to that's going to either make people walk away or they're going to discount your price so much. You're going to say, well, for that much money, I'm just going to stay in it a while. So I, I tell people, I was like, yeah, you got a 90% customer concentration. It's awesome for you, but not for somebody else. How long do you want to run it? And then shut it down. Shut yeah. it down. It's, it's a much better. I mean, because. You're going to spend a year plus, maybe even more if you just leave it on the market and you're kind of in limbo. And is it is it going to sell? Is it not going to sell? Why put yourself through the hassle? It, decide you're going to run it for three, four more years. Save the money you can. You know, maybe somebody, you know, something works out down the road with a customer or something that wants to buy you and you get, get lucky that way. But don't put yourself through the hassle. Good advice. Good advice. And it's a lot to think about. Oh, yeah. Nobody yeah. thinks about all this stuff when you start a business, uh-uh. you know, especially if it was way back when, you know, like maybe your granddad started it or mm-hmm. uh, your parents or whatever. And you've, you know, now you're to this point. It's like you were talking about marketing. It's a lot the same thing. They never thought about that in the beginning. You know, it's it's just kind of you saw a need, you solved a problem. You built a business and now you're in this place and, and, and you also taught me something that I think is important. This is not something you think about when you're 63 Mm -hmm. and you think, yeah, I want to, I want to sell this and retire, you know, at 65, you got to think about this years in advance, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing that we always try to do, I mean, honestly, um, the earlier you start this, the better off you are, because what most people don't look at their business as a wealth generation machine, and it is, right? So if I'm 40 years old and I determine how much money I need to live the rest of my life and do whatever I want next, right? If my business would give that to me today, why am I really staying in my business? And this is what we kind of flip the script on people and say, you're 50 years old. If you could get $10 million for your business a year from now, two years from now, is that enough for you to do whatever you wanted the rest of your life? And if it is, why don't we try to do that rather than wait until you're 65 and do, and because you don't know these, these, yeah. these things, COVID, 2008, the real estate thing, you go back further, this happens. 
things go up and down. And, and how many stories of people that that were riding the, the real estate boom in 2008 that are all kinds of stuff, manufacturing, construction everywhere that were like, man, it's good. And <laughs> then it was it wasn't. the hell. <laughs> yeah, then it wasn't. Yeah. Now you're in it for 10 more years. Right. And this is where the and even just look at look, look at e-commerce businesses through COVID. Right. Talk to several people that sold at the right time. 2020, 2021. Yep. Things ramping up. You know, you couldn't buy you couldn't you couldn't hardly buy a, a, an e-commerce business because they're all getting bought by everyone else. Right. And now it's like crickets. Nobody wants to look at them. Values are down. Interest rates are up. All this kind of stuff. So realistically, we flip the script and say, listen, if you, if you need $10 million so you can leave tomorrow, let's get you to $10 million as quick as you can. Because if you can leave with $10 million tomorrow, a year from now, you're going to be able to leave with $10 million and it's going to be just fine. And quit worrying about 65 because that's just that's just a made up number in our head. Yeah. Of retiring when we're older. It's like, well, why not do it now? You can go be do philanthropic jump, go out and, you know, teach kids little league, whatever the hell you want to do. If you got the money to do it travel, who cares? Uh, but, you know, make the money when you can get out when you can. Love that. Okay. So point number three. <laughs> yes. Me. You got to have growth. If your business isn't growing, it, it's just like, I was talking to somebody this morning and I said, selling a business that's flatlined is like selling a house with black and white pictures. Yeah. It's like, there's no reason that, and especially when you think of the buyer's perspective, right? So I'm looking at the buyer's perspective again, and I got a flatline business. What happens if I drop two customers? Oh, I'm down by two customers worth of, of margin for next year, cash flow, whatever you want to talk about. Well, what happens if that business is growing 25 or 30% a year? I drop two customers, I'm still okay. Right. Look how much you change the risk profile. I mean, that's that's that is as simple as it gets. It covers up a lot of sins. A lot of problems can go if I'm still growing 25% or 20%. But if I'm one, two percent or flatlined, it's just it's like, like I said, it's like trying to sell a house with black and white pictures from the street. <laughs> you know through a megaphone <laughs> yeah it's, it's like it, it just is not it's not there is no buyers aren't getting excited about it because yes value is something that's determined by profitability and and those kind of things the the base value before they start looking at it but businesses are sold because they're attractive to buyers because right. they excite them because they want them to be in there because they feel the energy in them if you're just chunking along I, you got to get some growth going. You got to get some excitement going in that company because they feel it. They feel it when you're talking about it. They feel it when you're, when they go visit it. And that growth is so beautiful to be able to sell a business with. Well, you bring up so many good points and I, I was going to ask you quickly, cause we've got to wrap it up. Do you guys <clears throat> at exit your way, do you have a buyer perspective, um, tool or risk evaluation tool or anything like that that people can can use to determine some of this stuff yeah we do we've got a simple it's a free assessment on our website and uh, they can get to that and i can get you the link to it 
I was not prepared with it today. That's I'm not okay. A good, I'm not a good salesperson in that That's respect. Okay. But then we've got a more detailed one. If they if if that interests them and they like it and they want to talk with us more, we've got a pretty comprehensive one we can do. But it does. It's got, I mean, because there's, like I said, these these risks. There's a lot of them, and you gotta gotta dig through the main ones. Yeah, absolutely. And one last question. I'm going to throw you just a, a little tiny zinger, but this will be no big deal for you. I want to know. Because you and I met, uh, God, was it 2020? I think so. Yes. I think so. So, and you've done a lot of stuff during and after the pandemic that I am very <clears throat> in awe of, proud of. You you inspire me and teach me, um, especially, and we connected through LinkedIn. So mm -hmm. we're, we're big proponents of that. What advice would you give to pre-pandemic Damon? Oh yeah. Quick. I mean, I didn't, I didn't network. I didn't know how important it was and how inspiring it would be to, to meet people like you and, and learn with them and share and just be able to talk to them. I know um, too. It's, it just, I just had no idea. I was that guy that before, even when I was, I mean, cause I started consulting. I, I was just, it was ugly, but it was 14 years ago now. And, um, I was not networking good in the companies. I was not networking good after it as a consultant. And or, or and I don't even like to use the word networking, meeting cool people mm -hmm. and, and building relationships, right? Like Just that. meeting cool people and building relationships. That's the thing I said. I said, why the hell are you not meeting more cool people and building better relationships? That's the thing. Boom. I love it. I love it. Yeah, because it's easier to hide, isn't it? It's easier to yeah. just, like we were talking about earlier, stay in your home office or in your business yeah. and yeah. you just, you feel safe. You keep your head down. You do your thing. Life's good. Yeah. And sometimes it feels scary, I think, to meet new cool people or put mm -hmm. yourself out there. So yeah. I love yeah. that. Well, man, if you listening are not already connected with uh, Damon, you, you have to, you will, you will thank me. I will get hundreds and thousands of letters after this episode once you connect with him but <laughs> look, look him up on linkedin he is there all the time he's doing lives um oh. i'm mentioning all that in the intro so never fear it'll be in the show notes too and uh, he's also a fellow expert on the manufacturing masters platform he's got some amazing videos you can learn so much from this man thank you damon for being with us thank you allison for having me Bye. If you're not already, subscribe to the Manufacturing Masters podcast on Apple Music or Spotify. And for a deeper dive, head on over to manufacturing-masters.com. It's everything they never taught you in school.